0: You are special people. And uh, thank you so much for wearing orange today. And really, if you are visiting, you are like, we just walked into a cult. <laughs> um, we're also not big Tennessee fans, at least I'm not. Um, but uh, we're just, I think it tells a story. It tells a story about people who just out of, I'll just tell you, a random thing a few Sundays for me ago. To knowing that our literature that is all going to be orange for what we're going to be talking about today, and I thought, why don't we just wear orange? And uh, that's it. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Got to have some fun. Well, glad you're here today, and uh, this is not a normal Sunday. Uh, Really, if you're visiting with us, we want for you to know that normally, Uh, We'll have some songs, we'll open God's Word, dive into that, and uh, today's not going to be the diving into God's Word time, uh, but we're going to be doing some things that are really, really important as a faith family, and uh, we're going to be talking about some very important things regarding ministry, and uh, I'll just say, as my wife said last night, Orange, you glad you're here. (laughs) Yeah, 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 okay, got to get on with it. All right, so let me begin by pointing you to uh, what you're handed coming in today. Uh, some churches call it a bolt We call it an update, just keeping you updated on things. I want to make sure that you would open towards the inside. The whole inside is following through what I'm going through this morning. So I really want to encourage you, open that up, put this on your lap, uh, follow it through. It'll help you as we go through. There's all kinds of information there. I'll make reference to the couple other inserts that we have uh, there as well, but that's for you. Now, let's begin by reflecting. And let's begin by reflecting on uh, who we are, where we've been, and where we're at, just for a few here. Uh, number one, our purpose. In fact, our purpose is uh, noted on the very back of page of the update. Our purpose is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commandment, uh, the great commission uh, in the spirit of, um, I just blew that, to glorify God through the fulfillment of the great commission through the spirit of the great commandment. And we are a church that is about making disciples that make disciples that make disciples, uh, Matthew 28, and we want to seek to do that. We uh, already, has been noted, uh, Jill noted our four pillars, and our four pillars are listed right below that, and you can see them there. We have them posted out on the lobby on those big panels there, and that's what we are about. Those are the kinds of things that we uh, gird ourselves to, and uh, that, that's our pillars, Also, I want to remind us about um, what we call our ministry target, and that's kind of unique to us here at Indy West, and it's a reminder, and I haven't brought this up for a long time, this target, it's a reminder of who we are, how we do things here. The center of our target is weekend worship in small groups. That is the center of who we are. We don't just do things because like, that's what other people do. That's the center of our target. Everything else it revolves around that, falls uh, in line, if you will, with that. Weekend worship, that's where corporate worship and serving really happens here in a big way on our Sundays right now. Small groups, that's where we do life together. If you want to know how to get connected in here as a church, get connected into a small group, uh, that's where it happens. Then we have the perimeter items, discipleship formation. That's where further equipping is offered. We had a bunch of guys yesterday gathering together in the multi-purpose room to be able to talk about things. We had women, uh, some things here recently get together. Those are discipleship formation items. Then we have connecting activities. Those are where togetherness is fostered here. We're going to be having a Labor Day picnic, and that's kind of a big gathering together, and we can connect and have some fun. The third thing on that perimeter is beyond our walls, and that's where our world is reached through the love and truth of Jesus Christ, and that's local, regional, and international as we view that. I'll just say that's who we are. Uh, Where have we been let me just take us on a little ride here for a moment in two thousand and seven, a launch team was formed towards the end of two thousand and seven. Uh, Pastor Nick and our families kind of joined that launch group in fact i 'm going to ask if you were on the launch team prior to us launching in the theater? would you stand and it 's not a clap thing just but would you stand uh, um, so how cool. Uh, these folks have been here for a long, long time, like nine years. And uh, thank you. And by the way, to all of you standing, is that not incredible what God has done? I remember meeting it, absolutely. I remember meeting in the houses and us thinking, I wonder if we could get 50 people. And uh, look what the Lord has done in uh, nine years, just stunning, eight years. Uh, it's an amazing thing. Well, then we launched on Sunday, March 9th in the theater, and that's just in the lobby of the theater. Some of you are in that picture, and some of you are a lot younger than you look now. <laughs> uh, but we were called-out people. We met in the theater for five years and 11 months. And that was just a fantastic time. In fact, I'm going to ask this. If you first began coming here to Harvest, while we were in the theater, would you just stand? I want to see this kind of show, this growth reality. How cool is that? How cool is that? Um, And by the way, to all of you standing, is this not an amazing thing that uh, we have a place like this? Absolutely. Go ahead and grab a seat. Super cool. Super cool. Well, and then we had our first Sunday here in this facility on February 2nd. 2014, and I don't want to put this picture up to make it all about Karen and I, but I put it up because it just there's some real sentimental value in that picture for Karen and I, because I knew that Sunday, on a snowy Sunday, February 2nd, when we moved into this facility for the very first time, it all of a sudden hit me like it never hit me before, everything just changed. And there were parts of that that were unbelievably exciting and parts of that, I will tell you without question, were and almost continue to be very scary because who are we? Who are we that the Lord would allow this to happen? But uh, just a special time that was, wasn't it? If you were here for that, special, special Sunday. And then here we are two years and five months later in this place And uh, so many more have joined us. Uh, That's where we've been. Uh, Who we are, where we've been, now where we are, where we are at now. I think one way to be able to see where we're at right now is by looking at some numbers. I'm just going to put a couple graphs up. Attendance numbers. This is a a stacked graph of attendance. It shows trends. It's uh, Easter this year being in uh, March kind of move some things around with that, but it's just really interesting to to see and take a look. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, and I'll just say this. It was, uh, when we first moved into the building, we were a church of averaging about 560 people uh, for the last six months before we moved in. For the first six months of this year, uh, of this year, 2016, we averaged 920. That's 355 more people, 63% growth, um, and it's been big God, right? It's been an amazing, amazing thing. And that gives you a little bit of who we are. But I also want to bring up a different graph, uh, finance numbers. Uh, they have implications for it today. Uh, you see here, this is our general fund graph. This is not anything of uh, outside of our walls or random acts of giving or beyond our wall things going on. This is just general fund giving. And I'll just tell you, praise the Lord for what's taken place. Those couple's big spikes there are the last two end of the year uh, spikes of, not of our, even our harvest gives, but just some uh, general giving that spiked up there. Um, our budget three years ago was $601,000. Our budget for this year is uh, 1250000 It's double that. Uh, I'll just let you know, January through June expenses uh, for this year is 47% of our uh, expenses budget. You can take a look on the back of the blue initiatives document. It has uh, our, our budget and in financial information for the last few years on that general fund expenses. We're at 47% if you can t- compare it to the general fund income. We have a $40,000 variance there and uh, I'll tell you about that later. It's for using for the kind of thing we're going to be talking about today. But we're at uh, 45%. Uh, we generally finish the year, almost every year we've been here, we've finished 3 uh, to 5% under uh, what we've projected with our expenses, and we're right on track with that uh, this year. Our giving so far, January to June, is 49%. Of our 2016 budget. You may say, well, we're a little bit under. Actually, technically, we're a little bit over because normally for us at this through June, we're at 45 to 47 percent of the year, just the way the year moves in its giving cycle. And and so uh, we're at 49 percent. The Lord's been really good. Thank you for your kind, generous uh, giving through all of this. Um, In fact, as a result of that, uh, we have uh, over these last two and a half years, been able to uh, maintain and, and retain $130,000 of over excess that we're going to be talking to you about using here uh, today. Uh, plus, we have our three month reserves that is held. And I will just tell you the Lord has been very, very kind to us financially. And if you weren't ready to come to church and hear a financial analysis, um, it matters. It matters. And money tells what's going on in the heart of people. And uh, so we're very, very grateful. Well, numbers are helpful, and they're insightful, and they tell part of the story, but uh, I think we would agree that numbers are not the whole story, right? Um, People are the story. And there's a very important story about where we're at. Uh, As a church in what I am calling our phase on your uh, update there, our phase. We've been talking about this in our series through Judges, and I've termed this, we are in an establishing to be phase. Uh, It's an establishing to be an increasingly healthy people that is maturing and and, and being toward being a producing, sending out people, because a big statement among harvest and all the harvest is healthy things grow healthy things grow. Uh, You can't stop something that's healthy from growing. And uh, uh, healthy things grow. And, And the book of Judges has really been showing us the series we've been going through, and we'll pick up next Sunday in chapter 17 with that, but the book of Judges has been showing us what it looks like when God's people are unhealthy, when God's people are not who they've been called to be, And we talked about uh, over a couple weeks that how uh, we just see this pattern in the Old Testament that God called out people, he built them up, brought them out, placed them in the promised land to be an established growing people, to grow at being a unified people, that God empowered people so that they would become the sent out people to the maximum capacity that God had intended them to be. And yet judges is this picture of what God's people look like when they're not that. When they are not establishing themselves, when they've got there and then they just kind of sit there and they end up, as we'll be seeing next Sunday, they end up doing what's right in their own eyes and doing their own thing. That's what unhealthy things do. They do not become what they were called to be. Healthy things grow. On the center screen, you see this picture of a wisteria tree, if you remember I would used this picture on our very first Sunday when we began our series through the book of Judges, and uh, you look at this tree, and you look at it, and you go, that is a healthy, beautiful, glory-giving tree, isn't it? I mean, wouldn't you want that in your yard? Absolutely. And uh, we intuitively uh, know that it did not become like that in a year. It did not become that in two years. And I can tell you for certain it did not become that in eight years. Um, It took decades and decades of time to be able to get to where it's at. And I'm just going to lay out an observation here for me as time's gone on. God's people, both individually and as I've noticed with local churches, tend to want to fast pass or bypass the necessary investments to go directly from youth to maturity we want to microwave ourselves into growth but healthy things grow and that growth is slow it just is and sometimes we want to steroid it or microwave it and yet you know i'm almost 54 years old and i know <laughs> And, uh, (laughs) that was beautiful. That was beautiful. And I am turning orange. And, uh... Things take time, but oftentimes we're like, grow, 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 or we're like, more, 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 urgent, 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 or we're like, program, 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 and that tyranny of the urgent ends up suffocating the, the, the designed process of maturing. And it's actually a sad thing when someone who's 54 years old acts like someone who's 20. Not because 20 is bad, but there should be more maturity. In that. Healthy things grow. And here's what's really important. The Lord designed it that way. Think of this. Adam and Eve placed in the garden. Called to fill the earth. One kid at a time. That's slow. Development. Noah. Build an ark. God didn't just drop it. A hundred years to build the thing. And then after that fill the earth. A kid at a time. Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to build a nation of people out of you. Years and years go by, not a kid. Joseph, the Lord's sovereign plan is to get him into Egypt, to become vice president of Egypt because God has some sovereign plans for a thing. And God in his sovereign plan ends up putting him in jail for a while, for years. Moses, years and years in the desert. It's not until he's 80-something that he gets, meets the burning bush. And then he brings out the people. God says, you know what? You need 40 more years in the desert before I place you in where I want to place you in. Judges, they're placed in. Joshua took a decade to get him placed in, and Judges, they're placed in. This is the time for them to be established. This is the time for them to be unified together. This is the time for them as 12 tribes to figure this thing out and work it out. And it's been 350 years in the book, and God's people still aren't getting it. And yet the thing that amazes me the most is God is 350 years patient. Listen, friends, there's more than hurrying up and getting to the end of the call. There's loving the process of the growing and the maturing of it together. God loves that process, and he sees that process, and he's designed it to be that kind of way. David, David's named to be the king, but it's years and years before he becomes that. The disciples, they're called, they're with Jesus for three years. They still don't know what they're doing. And yet God does a work in them, and it still takes them some years to figure it out. And then the Apostle Paul, he's called. And then I think it was like three years of time where he gets really public. And then even when that goes, he's with a guy named Barnabas for some time. We lose sometimes the beauty of the maturing, developing process and want to hurry up and get to the end. But the wisteria tree, year by year, sought to be healthy, pressing ahead, and healthy things bloom and grow. By the way, remember when we went through this on the wisteria tree picture? Do you see the poles up in here? They're supporting poles. It's kind of one of those things, you look at those, and sometimes you wish they weren't even there, but they're necessary. They're necessary to support that, because if those poles, supporting poles that are under various strategic branches aren't there, the branches can't hold, and they'll fall, and it'll lose its ultimate ability to expand and to be able to show glory. But they're there on purpose, and as it grows, they're added, and they're moved and shifted. It's all strategy. It's all strategic. And we want to see the tree, but I kind of want to talk to you today about the poles in it. Because as things grow, things have to be structured. Today's an infrastructure talk. And doesn't that excite you? <laughs> I mean, infrastructure. It doesn't get more exciting than that, right? Uh, but I will tell you, people who understand where things need to go, understand the importance of infrastructure. So let me transition this. Let me transition into a little bit of the future. In fact, let's get a taste of a future ministry dreams possibilities. What could lie ahead for us as a church? (laughs) That's a great question because at the end of May, the elders and the pastors, we got together for a dreaming evening. And we just got together to talk about what could the Lord do here among us in the next 10 years? What might that be? We're not going to mock each other? Well, maybe a little. We're, we're not going to pick on each other? We're not going to say that's a bad idea? We're just going to try and think. Not what do we think we could do, but what do we think the Lord might be able to do through a people like us. And the reason for that exercise was because we need to get some things out in front of us so then we backtrack and see where we're at right now and what needs to be done to press ahead to there. So here's a portion of those what could be dreams. We dream about a culture as a faith family with ever-increasing unity and generosity and joy built solidly out of and around our four pillars and lived out in our 3 Ws of worship, walk and work. Now if those kinds of things are to happen, some other things have to happen. But before I hit those, let me throw out a couple other things right in front of us. Some things right in front of us. Um I got my pages. Missed. And let me give you five. Let me give you five. Number one, a vision Caribbean church plant. Hey, Harvest Indy West, I want to let you know that officially we have signed on the dotted line and we are planting a Harvest Church in the Caribbean. We are. We just had a team come back from serving in St. Vincent Island, and uh, we are just really excited to tell you that uh, Miche and Monique, who attend Harvest St. Vincent, are going to be the pastor and wife and their two children in planting a second Harvest Church on Harvest St. Vincent Island. And... Uh, It started. It's starting. Planting churches beyond our walls from here, not only on Indy South but now internationally, is going to happen. And in fact, from our 2015 Harvest Gives, we had $15,000 that was slotted for Vision Caribbean. That has been held, and that is being used right now to prepare miche and Monique to move from Saint Vincent up into Chicago. Attain the Harvest, uh, 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 participate at the Harvest Training Center up there through the end of the year, and then go back to St. Vince at the beginning of next year and work on planning a church. And we are the lead church with them in doing that. By the way, that includes things like every week I will be in a uh, a Skyping call with Misha as pastors and working with them. We will be working with them. Friends, it's right in front of us. But it's more than that. Uh, Harvest Bible Fellowship has also approached us and Harvest on the north side of Indianapolis as well as uh, our plant Harvest Indy South about participating in what is the first non-Chicago urban harvest church um, and doing it here in Indianapolis. Sorry, but I'm really jazzed up. So bear with me. First service, you bear with more than the second service on this. Um, I can't say any more than that. Are um, actually going to be have we've only had a phone call about it next month. I'm going to be meeting more with them, and uh, we're going to be talking about it. But I'm even super excited because it also could include a key engagement with another fantastic church here in Indianapolis. It's not Harvest. And uh, we'll be talking about that. We'll see what the Lord does. Third, uh, Scotland. Um, (sighs) Over the last probably four years, we've just developed some casual, but yet last summer we sent a team over to Scotland just to love on them and serve them. And uh, there's a harvest there, and it's a dark country spiritually. And uh, yet they are talking about planting more churches in Scotland, and we're in conversation with Scott, who's the senior pastor there in Glasgow, and uh, that could be in the coming couple years. We also have the opportunity, as Larry had mentioned, about becoming the first co-harvest training center in North America with Harvest. We would be partnering with Indy North, and Brian and I essentially would be to where we would be, as well as our staff, engaged in mentoring five, eight other uh, churches. And they would be a part of us, and we would be working with their senior pastor and their staff and engaging with them as a training center, because healthy churches plant churches, and healthy churches disciple churches. And fifth, something just as an encouragement to you, for some reason we have been a favored church Um, We're a part of Harvest Bible Fellowship, Uh, it's a non-denominational organization, we're autonomous and independent in all that, but yet even within that we closely work with them. We have had comments unsolicited by Christ, Pastor Christian Barbosu in a rod, by Pastor Blake, Pastor Scott in Scotland. I know these ones to me as well as some of our pastoral staff have said there is something different about the teams that you send than any other churches that come and help us, even within Harvest World. There's something different. We've had Kent Shaw and Kirk Van Monnen from the fellowship. We've had Rick Donald, who's James McDonald's right-hand guy. We've had, actually, a couple years ago when Vertical Church Band was here, uh, at at that, I had one of the guys, I won't tell you who, one of the guys come to me and he said, I don't know what it is, but this place is different than everywhere else we go to. He said, there's just something different going on here. And uh, that is a blessing, right? That is a blessing. We don't pat ourselves on the back, but with great uh, opportunity, uh, comes great responsibility. Healthy things grow, healthy things grow. And, and all of these are. I'm just putting out there, I'm trying to give us a taste, I'm trying to help us to see what might be, what could be, what the Lord could do. And in light of all of these kinds of things here, uh, I just now want to talk with you and transition back to if, if these things are about to happen and can happen, what needs to take place now? And so your elders, have, we've been talking about this actually over the last two years Now. And uh, we think it's time to strategically advance in some areas of our infrastructure. And I realize that's not real glamorous, but when you see what could be, you understand why these are really important and worthwhile. So let me go through them. There's two main areas there you can see on you. We're in the middle section of that inside of your update there. We're going to talk about our leadership infrastructure and our facility footprint infrastructure. First, I want to talk about advancing our ministry leadership structure. Our series through the book of Judges, I think if there's one one thing I'll say at least for me that has stuck out, is that leadership matters, We kind of live in a world right now that doesn't have a very good view of leadership, but leadership matters. Leadership is not everything, but it is important. And God's people are called to be led, and God's leaders are to lead. And that means leaders need to lead and step up into that role, and leaders need to be structured and positioned to be able to lead the way God wants them to do that. And for us to advance the ministry ball together... Uh, We need to take some steps to strengthen, position, and advance our leadership. And we are and we have, and I want to let you know first, I want to just a note about elders. You can look inside the initiatives document, and you can find that one of the initiatives for the elders this year was to add some additional leadership. Uh, I want to have our elders stand. If you could just stand, Paul's over here, and Larry, and we've got Rick, and uh, and myself, these four. We had J.C. Anderson. You can go ahead and sit down. We had J.C. Anderson was one, and yet J.C. and Tress went down to the Harvest Indies' Even though they live here on the west side, and we sent them over there, and it's really cool. Their son-in-law is the worship pastor, and so they're able to go there and be a key part of what's going on, so that even means sending our people away to help with things and excited about that. But one of the things was is that we were going to formulate and pursue a plan for additional leadership. And uh, I just want to let you know we are, but we've held off from doing that now because of everything that you're going to be hearing about this morning. Uh, We needed to get past some of these things on the table, but I want to let you know towards the end of the year, we are going to be implementing a process towards that and probably in the next year, we'll be adding some more uh, elders and such. Uh, through that and just want to follow up and be accountable to you on that with what's going on there. That's with our elders, so we're working on building that infrastructure in the right time here. Second, I want to talk about our pastors. Our pastors here at Harvest really carry the day-to-day ministry load and shepherding this church family, and we presently have seven pastors on staff, and I got to say, I love this team. Uh, There are not too many senior pastors who can stand or sit up in front of their people and honestly and full truthfully say, we love our elders, I love our elders, I love our staff, we have a blast together. And the Lord has been so good, and all of them have been raised up from within. It's just an amazing, amazing thing. But one of the things we need to do is we need to advance some things with our Uh, pastoral structure here and so before I say what that is I want to just toss a couple things out let you behind the ministry curtain we have some philosophies and approaches I want to let you know about number one we have a philosophy statement about hiring of staff there's three things to it it says number one we desire to raise up staff from within if we desire to we it's not we have to but we desire to because disciples make disciples to make disciples And if that's happening, we'd love to see people raise up in those capacities. Uh, We desire to have that. Also, we desire to train ministry leaders and pastors for future ministry impact. That only means not raising people up in various capacities within the body, but sometimes that means raising them up, training them, and sending them out on purpose. Not because they're mad, but because they're on purpose. And uh, uh, that's an exciting thing to do. And our third thing in our philosophy is we desire to actually make number one and two happen. What organizations actually do that? I'm actually serious. That's what it is. Uh, Next thing, just approach to staffing. I want to let you know we have kind of a unique approach here. We are very low on administrative assistance, if you want to call it that, in our world. We have the normal local church our side would have two and a half more full-time administrative assistants and one and a half less pastors. Now, who wants to be the half? I have no idea. Uh, But that's just the stats of it. And there are strengths and weaknesses to having that kind of a structure that's heavy on admin assistance and lean on admin assistance. We're lean on admin assistance, and that's been because of just God's brought people to be able to raise up into ministry, and so we have, we've put those funds into pastors. And so I just let you know some of that. Uh, that's a reality. Someday we'll, uh, we'll increase on the admin support, but right now we're lean on that on purpose. Third, I want to put up our pastoral staffing chart as it's looked over the years. I think there's just story in this. Beginning in 2008, you can see, there were uh, two pastors here when we launched, and those were cool days, weren't they? Crazy. We had no idea what was going to happen. Jill just had a baby. She's like, really? Really, honey? You're going to make us do this? And... Uh, But God showed up. And then in 2012, I just kind of picked midpoints. 2012, you can see what's happened with our staff there. And then you go to 2016, you can see what's going on with our staff now. And I'm bringing this up because the chart tells the supporting structure story of our pastors. And two things out of it. Number one, that you know we've grown. Um, And the Lord has raised men up from within to step in. It's just been so cool. Um, I do not know of another Harvest Church that has... All their pastors raised up from within. Do not know. Secondly, we advanced from generalization to specialization just in church administrative world. That's something that has to happen as a church organization increases in size. You have to move to where generalization moves to specialization. And we have done that mostly. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, There's a story of a good thing in this. As a church, we've been able to work hard to adapt to growth and position the poles try and get the right poles in the right spots as the wisteria tree continues to grow. Um, But we also need to make some changes now because some areas, some limbs are beginning to get bigger than the poles that are holding them up. And so the elders, as well as we've talked about this with the pastors, believe now is the time for us to advance the ministry ball together in a few strategic pastoral infrastructure moves in order to better establish ourselves For capacity down the road. And that includes a new pastoral leadership chart that I'll put up here and implemented as of September. Allow me to work through this. Um, Senior pastor, that's me. Uh, The elders, uh, frankly, and my staff as well, agreed that my leadership or responsibilities, I hate talking about myself, so bear with me, um, need to be significantly narrowed and specialized. I'm the one guy that's still generalized. And uh, it's too much. Uh, I'll just, uh, let me try and bear through this because I think a couple things you need to know, understand why. It's been about eight years now of... Long weeks. Just say it that way. I and Karen can't keep it up. And it's not anyone's problem. It's just a reality. Um. I've kind of carried the generalized load, and that needs to become specialized. And uh, my present job description is really the same as it would be for a church of four or 500. And as a church of 1,000, if you will, that's an unhealthy load, and unhealthy things don't grow. So Karen and I are, we'll just say it, we are worn. Um, It's not a complaint. It's just I need to be transparent. I've committed to do that ever since I came here. And we're just worn like we've never been worn before. And it's not just we need a one-week break, it's just we need to shift in some ways. And uh, that's already in place, and I'm excited to tell you about what's happening because there's another position on there. It's to the, uh, you're right, uh, the ministry operations pastor there. Uh, There's a full-time job description of this individual that's on the last page, and we've put this in there. You can read it, you're all going to read it now, but prefer if you just make sure and state attention here. Uh, we're going to bring on a ministry operations pastor. This individual is going to be taking over what would be the day-to-day ministry operations and leadership of what we would call our discipleship pastors. You can see them uh, down on that side of it and more on uh, this person here in a bit. But this will allow me to be able to focus more on teaching, vision development, casting, spiritual ministry formation in some various ways, and hopefully uh, come to understand what a 50, 60-hour work week is. Um, I want to note, uh, Nick and I are over on that side. By the way, Nick, I put this up there, and I'm like, you and I have two-word titles, and uh, they've got, like, these massive titles, <laughs> and I love it. Um, <laughs> Love working with Nick, but kind of organized by our W's, worship, walk, and work. And so Nick and I kind of were in the worship component of what happens here on weekend ministries is a key part of it. And by the way, it's great news. As far as I know, Pastor Nick and Jill are staying here. <laughs> oh, I want to finish ministry with them. Um, so uh, love having them here, and we're just excited about that. I want to kind of move over to the other side. Uh, ministry operations pastor there. Uh, the elders, we've been talking about working towards this position now. Really, we've been working, to, thinking on this for a couple years. Uh, this is not a business guru guy. It's not a number crunchers guy. It's not an OSHA compliance officer. Uh, he's about loving people and loving our discipleship pastors. He's to be a cheerleader and a developer of leaders, both pastoral and lay. Think of it this way. Uh, the senior pastor, if you will, is kind of the coach of the team. The ministry operations pastor is the offensive coordinator. He's the guy who's maybe not on the field, even not, maybe not even best at the positions that he's helping to coordinate and organize, and, but he's helping them and seeing them as a whole and, and helping the offense get better and better at leading and guiding the team and the teams that they lead. And... Uh, um, having them play on the field. And I'm excited actually to tell you today that after some extensive process that began in November, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that here in a few, we've actually hired this offensive coordinator. And uh, he's going to begin September. Who is he? Let me talk on some other things and I'll tell you. <laughs> Pastor Eric. Great news. Well, even though Pastor Eric and Christ are gone on vacation, thrilled for them, he's staying as our small groups pastor. Thrilled about that. I'll tell you, I, it has been, I'll just say it before the whole crowd, it has been so exciting to see Pastor Eric just develop and grow and kind of get in his niche over these last couple years. It's just been so encouraging and so exciting and uh, so grateful for him and his time. Uh, pastor Cody, great news. Pastor Cody finished his Masters of Divinity. And he's staying here. Yeah, and big news with Pastor Cody, we're sending him off to more school. It's right. We are sending, we're partnering with he and Katie, and we really, we are sending him off to get his PhD. No joke. No joke. We're about raising disciples, Right? And so part of that means that we look at our, even our staff. It's not about the staff, but we're talking in this realm. But it's even looking among our staff and, and what do they need to grow and develop and what are their strengths. And, and I think we would all agree that Pastor Cody, just is, he has a gifted academic mind. And, and we think it would be good stewardship for him to continue on with his, stu- his studies. In fact, he came and talked with me about getting his doctorate in ministry. And I told him, I, I don't think you should get your doctorate ministry. I think you need to get your Ph.D., Uh, you're too smart. Um, And uh, I think it's going to position him and equip him for some things down the road that could be super, super cool. So we're going to be starting that. Cody's actually been finishing up his process of uh, getting accepted into a PhD program, and we'll let you know more about that. But uh, we're looking forward to that happening. Pastor Nate, great news. Pastor Nate finished his Master's of Divinity. Yep. And he is staying here as well. And great news as well, we are not sending him for additional schooling. (laughs) Yeah, he wouldn't want that. Uh, but we're really excited just about his full-time capacity with things. Uh, he's continuing as our pastor of assimilation, but one of the exciting things, one of the shifts we're doing here is we are actually moving all of our Beyond Our Walls leadership uh, role that Larry has been taking so graciously for these years and leading as a layperson, and we're shifting that over to Nate. And him to be able to uh, shepherd from a pastoral position, our local, regional, and international beyond our walls, and obviously Larry will be a part of all, all in the team on that. But uh, it's just so exciting. You can see it in his eyes, Nate's eyes. He is hungry. You, you bought this, Nate? <laughs> Come on, dude. More than that. No, he is. Um, so here's the deal. Pastor Nate brings them and sends them. That's the deal. All right? Assimilation pastor and beyond our walls pastor. Uh, Pastors Chris and Robbie, great news. Both are beginning their three-year seminary degree program starting here this coming month. <laughs> yeah, that, that, does, that sounds a little bit more grinding, doesn't it? Uh, but I need to say something. I need to keep moving here. I'm having too much fun. I, I need to uh, say something that one of the things that we need to understand as a church is that they're situation is changing. They've been here full time for the last year, and now they have to transition into a, what is understood through the uh, seminary program up in Lafayette, is they go up once a day uh, on Thursdays during the week for three years uh, and then the studies, but they're 25 to 30 hours a week here, 25 to 30 hours a week with seminary. That's the design of the program. And so they actually have to cut back on some of the things that they can do here. So I need to let you know that we need to help them with that. Uh, so they're kind of two thirds, uh, half, half pastor. Uh, capacity here for the next three years but we're exciting about doing that we're about training people exciting stuff exciting stuff and that's leadership structure and here now I want to transition over into some other infrastructure and that's with our facility I want to talk about completion of our phase one facility infrastructure here and you have those all down on your page and I'm gonna go through these much faster we are blessed to be in this amazing place on this property And uh, when we were placed into this building, we entered in this building with a phase one footprint plan, and we want to complete that out. That phase one facility footprint, when completed out, would be able to house, would be able to have the capacity to have 1,200 people in two services on Sunday coming, and that was the design. We've had three services over 1,000. We've had this Easter was just under 1,300. But we believe that the facility completed out to the f- uh, phase one footprint can, ha- can handle 1,200 average on two Sundays or on two services on Sunday. That would, we, and we want to do that before we consider a third service, whether that's a Saturday night or Sunday night, or whether we consider a phase two facility expansion. So here's nine things. Let's complete these items. Number one, lobby digital signage, the jumbotron. Uh, out in the lobby. That's in process, and I know that was part of the end of 2015 uh, Harvest Gives, so we already have the funds for that. Uh, it's it's contracted. That's going to be installed next month. Next one, outdoor patio furniture. That was also part of the 2015 year-end Harvest Gives. It's just been ordered, and uh, that should be arriving September uh, in there. Now, uh, note on those. I'm bringing those two so you understand this. We had actually hoped from year end that we would have had those all of that together by May. But the short of it is, is Pastor Nick, who's really heading those two things up, had his unexpected trip to Romania for training uh, people over there. Now, that came up, and that was right in a process, getting quotes and the whole process together. Uh, plus then, when the quotes came in, they were above budget. And so in talking about it, we decided it was not acceptable, so we had to start the whole process over again. Um, And though we're behind and though we had hoped earlier, we have a high view of stewarding our finances here. And although it went from May to now September, uh, it's now in budget. It's about $15,000 that's been saved as a result of that process. And just being transparent and honest with you, that's where that is at. Uh, so those are going to be finished up here real soon. Number three. An outdoor Harvest Kids Modular. You can see on the screen here. Our phase one facility footprint included this. This was by design. Uh, This was going to have an outdoor modular unit uh, that's about 1,500 square feet. It's the size of the pre-K and toddler classrooms. Kind of take the nursery out, it's the rest of that. It's It's a large 1,500 square foot kind of two modular units put together. The plan is and has been from the beginning is that that would be expansion area as kids ministry grew and we're there. If we're going to house 1,200 we've got to have this space. And so that uh, building would uh, be put in here uh, and probably either house the third to fifth or the pre-K class because that's just huge right now out in that modular, but that's an item to complete. Fourth, multi-purpose room and lobby acoustic treatment. The multi-purpose room over here, if you've taught in kids' ministry, if you've been with our guys meeting the other day or others, you know that the acoustics in there and in our lobby are just crazy. And so part of it was we couldn't do that in the beginning and the finances of it all, it's like moving into your first house. Now we're just increasing the furniture um, in it. And so we're going to do some things to increase make the acoustic better in there, kind of a step one to try and get some of that uh, cleared up a little bit. Uh, Five, office ministry, uh, an office for our ministry operations pastor. Original design in our office was in the office entry where the reception desk is. There's kind of a glassed area in that corner that was actually designed to be an office. We kept it open for a while, but we're going to kind of glass wall. That in that's going to become kind of our discipleship counseling spot there for meetings and so forth, small room, then the room next to it that we presently have that's going to be for our ministry operations pastor to uh, be able to be there. Number six, a nighttime safe entry gate, a safety gate for a property. Uh, this is something that we need to do and to love on our neighbors and to love our property and care for our property. We're in a unique place, kind of back here, and so it would be the kind of thing, it would be a, not a cattle, ugly cattle gate, but it would be a nice looking gate that would just be able to be swung open and closed at night so that people can't come back here and do things they shouldn't do back here um, in that. And so that's uh, something. Now you have three blanks here. And let me hit the, these. We have one, uh, number seven. We need to seal coat our present existing parking lot. That sounds exciting. <laughs> but it's a long-term care issue and it's something we need to do. This is the time to do it uh, after you put something in like that. This is the best thing. It doesn't matter right now, but it will in two years. And so it's caring for that we need to do that. Um, s- number eight, uh, we would like to get our Harvest Kids outdoor play area in you can see where we're talking. This is placed right outside of the pre-K room in that grassed area there. It's about 36 by 50 area out there in the west side of that middle walkway. So it's that one squared area. This would be an area that would be a play area for up to toddler first or kind of like up to first grade age. This would not be a big playground for older kids. Uh, That would be later out of phase one. But we would love to be able to get that in and done and have that to be used on Sundays, have that to, for people to use during the week as well. Last thing, and probably the most well, the most expensive, is a parking lot expansion. Um, we've had multiple Sundays, as I mentioned, with over a 1,000. We've learned our spaces, and it hit right on with what had been designed in the beginning. To be able to handle 1,200 people and two services, we need to add 70, 75 parking spots. And it's in the area that you can see here um, out there. If you've ever wondered why there are some lampposts that are out in grass, it's because that was where parking lot was designed to go. And we put those in to save a few dollars at the time. Along with that, there's a second dry retention pond area that you can see there. So that makes this, this is a major excavation job. Uh, But it positions us for any phase after this to be in the place that we need to on that kind of a thing. Um, We've already started the surveying and civil engineering work for this, and for the parking lot expansion and for the kids' outdoor modular unit. Uh, We've had to do that. We need to get that into the city. We may be getting that in the beginning of August for approval. Uh, We get approval, then we can, or when you get those final drawings, we can begin the bidding packages to to get even more narrowed in on the cost for that. We have a pretty generalized, but hopefully cut down even some more and uh, get city approval for that and those things as well. So those are the list of hosts of things. Um, You doing okay? Okay. Seriously. Seriously. Stand up just for a second. I wanna um, let, let's uh, let's move two slides uh, to the where the trees in the middle. You just do that. Uh, reposition. There we go. Okay. Healthy things grow, right? Healthy things grow. Um, So I want to transition here and how to go about this. You can go ahead and grab a seat whenever you want. You can stand if you want to. (laughs) The question now comes up, how do we afford this financially? Because there's actually a lot of things that are involved here. How do we do this financially? And here's where we're coming from. We do not want to add any additional additional debt load. We don't want to do that right now. Now is not the time. So we want to do this by cash capacity. And so for this year, we're going to seek to raise the funds needed by arranging our annual year-end harvest gives into two components. We're going to be doing right now a harvest mid-year gives and a year-end gives. The mid-year gives is going to fund, go towards funding what we're looking here with our infrastructure. The year-end harvest gives that we'll do at the end of this year is going to go completely outside of us. We're not going to hang on to any of it. It's going out for ministry out. This one is for all of us here. Um, Make sense? Okay, so for this year, we're going to split it into two, a mid-year and a year-end. Now, for a mid-year here, there's just a host of things that are involved, and I'm just going to say them quick just so you kind of put them in your brain. We're looking to uh, bring on a full-time ministry operations pastor. Uh, We're we're looking to... take tuition costs for Pastor Cody to go get his PhD. We're looking to uh, a place the Beyond Our Walls ministry under Pastor Nate. We're getting Pastor Chris and Robbie into the Faith Seminary three-year Master's of Divinity program. We're wanting to get the lobby digital signage installed and the patio furniture installed That's already those two are already paid for. We're wanting to get the Harvest Kids modular unit out there, not a cheap endeavor. We want to get the multi-purpose room and lobby acoustic treatment in place. We want to add an office for the ministry operations pastor while also keeping that discipleship, a discipleship room. We want to get a nighttime safety entry gate. We want to seal coat the parking lot. We want to install a younger children's play area. We want to add 70, 75 uh, parking spaces and the associated excavation work. What does all that cost? All that costs about $370,000. Now, here's the cool thing. Over the last years, as I mentioned earlier, we've been able to uh, retain uh, above our uh, base, three-month basis, a $130,000 in cash. Plus, you can see on the back for expenses, we have a $40,000 span between planned expenses. And just making that available, we knew that it might be going for something like this. So what that means is, is the total cost of all of these things is $370,000, but we have $170,000 available that is available to make do, uh, put forward to it. That means we have $200,000 that we're looking to raise, $200,000. Now, everything listed on that page, but the last three on the facility, are already moving ahead because we have the funds to do those. In other words, it's those last three things, and just the last three things cost $200,000 total. And we've prioritized them in an order that. Whatever funds we get in, we're going to go in that order. We have to seal coat the parking lot just for long-term care of that investment. Secondly, if we get the money to do that, fantastic. If we get more money and we're able to, if we get $7,500,000 or whatever it is that we're able to then uh, put in the children's ministry play area, we're going to do that. The last thing is the the, uh, parking lot expansion but that's the biggest costly item. So if we get enough for the one, we're doing that. If we get enough for the first two, we're doing that. If we don't get enough to be able to do the parking lot and all the excavation work, we'll take those funds and retain them and hold them for that purpose until we do it. Because we have to do it. It's just a matter of are we going to be able to do it at the end of this year, next year, or the following year. And so we're going to hold those, and that's the plan for it. So I'd ask if you'd take a look at this orange card. Um. The Harvest Gives Advancing Together card. This is kind of a commitment card. And what we're asking is that you would take this card and the football. And you would take these and you would place them in your home, in your car, at work. And we're asking that you would, over the next three weeks, you would just pray, God, what could I, what could we uh, give towards this outside of our regular giving? What could we do towards that? We're looking for the months of August, September, and October. And Maybe it's the kind of thing you want to say, you know what? We want to give this an, uh, uh, some each month. Or we want to give a one-time gift. You can Whatever is fine. If you could just write that in, if it's just a one-time gift total, just write that in, or on each of the months with that, it just allows us to know cash flow, but also what could come in, and we're just going to take it from there, and what the Lord brings in, we're going to go for, and we're going to see what he does. So if you could take this, pray about that, then what you would do is by August, um, what Sunday was it? August 14th, that uh, that Sunday is the Sunday we'd like for you to... Bring You can tear the bottom card off, bring it in, put it in the offering, or before then, uh, you can bring that in, drop that off, and uh, we're going to ask that you let us know your commitment by Sunday, on sun, by Sunday uh, August 14th, okay? I'm even going to be bold enough to ask one other thing. Might you consider taking a look at just your ongoing giving? Um, So many of these things, now that Pastor Cody and Pastor Nate are really on full-time with us and so forth, they have a full-time salary. We've got the other things going on with what's taking place. There's ongoing expenses that all of this has big impact on. And so we're asking that you might even consider, and Karen and I are doing that ourselves, of should we consider increasing our weekly giving uh, up that just to be able to help on the whole. Elders, are there any other things you guys can think of here that I need to hit? Okay. Well, lastly, um, okay, so you got the card thing? Understand? And here's my prayer my prayer is that all of the things we took the hour plus to talk with you about this morning helps you understand why we're doing this, what it's for, and where we're going. Because I remember my 20 years in business as a layperson, sometimes pastor getting up and giving their thing and they're all excited about it and time sitting there and going, I'm not sure I connect the dots. So I hope dots are connected. Things we're trying to do is infrastructure building because of what the Lord could do and we're making some faith steps towards that. Lastly, I'd like to finish with some excitement here. New Ministry Operations Pastor. I want to tell you about a process that we've gone through here, and it's just bullet-pointed this way. It was about a year and a half ago, we began talking about this. Uh, We began thinking about this and what's needed to be done, in great part to help me out, but in great part to help us as a church out. Um, We completed the job description that you have in the document there, Um, last August, we had no one in mind. We were as elders, we were just thinking of we need to put together this and what is this? As you can see in there, there's a certain kind of individual we're looking for with that. Uh, We're not calling him an executive pastor on purpose. He's our ministry operations pastor. We put that together last August and we began praying and considering about it. As I told you earlier, one of the things we think of is, is is there anyone here that might fit that? And so we were just praying and considering and thinking about that. For me, in September, someone began coming to my mind. <sighs> I get all excited and sorry, I have to go this drought. Someone comes to mind. After a week, I asked Karen, have you thought of anyone? And she said, Yeah. I said, Who? And she said, and it was the same person. <laughs> I had a phone call in September, about two weeks after that, with Pastor Brock of Indy South. We talk on a regular basis. And uh, he asked about how it's going with this. And he, I had sent him the job description. And he said, Do you have anyone in mind for that? So I'm thinking about someone praying about it. It's come to mind. And he said, Do you want to tell me their name? And I said, No. I said, Can I tell you a person that came to mind? Because Brock interned here for a month. I said, Sure. Same person. I love the way God works. November, after talking with elders, I approached this person about it. And he was pretty shocked. And it was simply about, just would you consider praying about this? Um, Not taking it, but just entering into a process. And uh, he said they would. Six weeks later, literally the end of December, we got back together again. And what do you think? He said, "Uh, we'd like to enter the process for consideration. So in January, we began a process. And it went January through April. Um, I'm telling you, we were not fast on this. Uh, He was interviewed by uh, our elders, um, by me again. Uh, He was interviewed by Rick Donald from Chicago. He was interviewed by Kent Shaw, the executive director of Harvest Bible Fellowship. He was interviewed by John Cochran, who's the executive pastor at Davenport Harvest, a guy I have massive respect for. And after a methodical waiting upon the Lord... Slow and extensive process. The elders gave him the job offer here this summer, and he accepted. And I'd like to introduce to you our new ministry operations pastor, Rick Alexander, and his wife Tina. Can I have the pastors and elders come up? Um, do stay standing. Rick and Tina have been a part of this church since uh, 2008. Um, he served as a small group leader as a harvest in our Harvest Kids ministry. Rick has been an elder here for the last couple years. Rick is a team player. He's a developer of leaders. He's a cheerleader kind of guy. If I could put it in football terminology, I would say he is an offensive coordinator kind of a guy. Uh, Rick served in the U.S. Air Force for 20 years. I'll just add, in 1993, he was the Air Intelligence Airman of the Year, and if we told you more about what he did, he would have to kill you. <laughs> semi-serious about that. (laughs) Uh, Rick has served as a human resources manager for Walmart and two distribution centers Uh, for the last 15 years. uh, Rick had been and Tina had been considering retirement and uh, officially will retire at Walmart on August 12th. And uh, he and Tina's thoughts about retirement were being fostered by this thought of they would like to serve the Lord and finish in their Life in some kind of capacity like that. God works in people's lives. Rick will be joining the pastoral team at the beginning of September, and we are thrilled. I'm going to ask uh, Larry to lead us in prayer here, and then uh, we are going to finish big with a couple big songs together, okay? So uh, could I even ask this? I'm going to get really funkified. Could uh, you just like pull in, scooch a little bit closer, come across the aisles, let's just finish together. Even if you don't know the people next to you, you look like an orange Just kind of come in. You don't have to get too tight, but just kind of come in, gather together, and uh, Larry's going to lead us in prayer, and then uh, we are going to sing together. Larry?
1: Let's pray. I'm going to have the pastors and the other elders gather around. Rick and Tina, I'm going to kneel and pray. You join your hearts as I talk to God, okay? Let's pray together this morning. God, it's an exciting time, and it's exciting because you're good to us. You've called us out, you've built us up, brought us out, you've placed us in this place, established us, and now you're sending us out. God, we have no idea why you've chosen to bless us this way, but you have. And today, in this place, right at this time, we give you all the glory for it. God, throughout the Old Testament, we read stories of how your people stopped and celebrated the great things you did for them, and we're thanking you today and celebrating you for what you're doing here. God, we've sought your face over these future plans that have been laid out today. We're asking that you continue to give us great wisdom in your favor as we seek to obey you in making disciples who make disciples. We're just trying to obey what you told us to do and do it the best we can. You've given us so much over this past eight and a half years. It's not about us, God. It's about you, only you, and we commit to taking absolutely no glory for the great works that you've done here. It's all for you. So, God, I pray now that you'd help us as a faith family collectively as we now pray and consider, seek your face on how we can be sacrificial in giving to see these plans become reality. Take our figuratively our loaves and our fishes and our our mites multiply those for your glory in a big way God we already give you thanks for how you'll provide for those things and God we thank you for Rick and Tina we love them so good to us and allowing Rick to come alongside our staff beginning to mentor them guide them help them achieve maximum potential for you God we thank you for Rick Especially the help he's going to be to Pastor Doug, allowing him to to focus on preaching the word in prayer and vision, stewarding, shepherding this flock. God, would you bless Rick, give him your grace to get up to speed quickly, build on the already incredible bond that our staff has with one another and with our church family. We thank you for every one of these guys. God, you are so worthy of all our praise. We celebrate all that you've done, all that you're going to continue to do here at Harvest Indy West. We love you. It's in the great name of your son, Jesus, that we boldly pray all these things. Amen.